Okay. Well, good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's, uh, the Lord has allowed us to meet in this house once again. Today we uh, have a guest speaker, Brother Nathan Guest, is going to be speaking to us here in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, our pastor, Brother Herb Hatfield, uh, 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 is in Florida today, so uh, we need to pray for he and Sister Ruth as they are traveling this weekend. So I'd like to welcome each one that might be uh, tuning in and listening on the air today to Mayhew Primitive Baptist Church. And uh, we are, are blessed to have Brother Nathan Guest with us to speak to us today. Amen. So uh, in just a minute, he'll be coming and bringing us the morning message. I'd like for you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And we know that Hebrews chapter 10 talks about the perfect sacrifice, the complete sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And in verse 20 it says, By a new and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now we know that when he was... Uh, crucified and he says is finished the veil was rent from top to bottom and that opened up the way the new and the living way for us as his people to come to him to worship him that we could do that directly uh, through him and not have to have a priest or some other man to intercede for us because we go into the very presence of God and because of that, and when he says it's finished and the rail, veil was rent from top to bottom, and that was about the time of the evening sacrifice. And the uh, and that him offering himself as the perfect sacrifice would not need to be done again. So that done away with the animal sacrifices. Because when... Uh, you have a perfect sacrifice, then there's no need for any other. Amen. So, uh, and in having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. So as we see here, the, the author of Hebrews here is telling the readers here uh, that it is very important that we consider the new and the living way. And Jesus Christ came to this earth to die uh, for his people. 
and that he instituted a new and a living way. He did away with the old way of sacrifices of the law and of the Jewish religion. Now, uh, you know, there's a scripture that talks about that you can't put a, a new cloth, uh, sew new cloth on an old cloth, or you can't put new wine in old, old uh, vessels because it won't work. So Jesus Christ did not come to do a patchwork. He came to do a complete new living way. And it, and he established his church in Palestine, I believe, or in Jerusalem in the day of his ministry. And in the day of Pentecost, that church was empowered. And that it was to be empowered by the Holy Spirit that they could go out and as Matthew 28, 18 through 20 talks about, we call the Great Commission to go and to preach the gospel to all the world, to every creature. So that is very important. And he's saying here, the church is very important. The assembly, the ecclesia, the called out ones brought together to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so he's saying, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, as we see the day approaching. So uh, it is very important that we assemble. Some people say, well, I can worship God just as good as home at home as I can in the church. I don't think so. God's Word don't say that. God's Word, God's Word says that we need to assemble, that we can be an encouragement to each other. That we can provoke one another into love and to good works. That we might serve the true and the living God and bring honor and glory unto Him. According to Ephesians 2.21, it says, uh, it is unto Him, uh, uh, I thought I could quote it. Uh, Ephesians 3.21, to Him be glory in the church throughout all ages, through Christ Jesus, world without end. So, I believe the Lord's church is not going to end. He says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I believe that we are going to be, as a church of God, we're going to be sitting at the footstool of Jesus Christ throughout, throughout eternity, serving Him and learning from Him in the church, in the capacity of, of the aggregate of His New Testament church. So it is important the assembly, the exosia, that we meet together, that we encourage each other, and we can build each other up in the most holy faith. And I will say, if, if our, we should not neglect that, that should be a priority in our lives. Because if our faith can't bring us to the church house, I have doubts that it will take us to heaven. You know, so... Uh, it is important. Amen. A lot of people think that just because that you have trusted Christ and believe in Christ and been born again, that that's all that needs to be done. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. So uh, it is important that we as uh, the church of God assemble 
and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So we don't need to, as God's people, neglect the assembling of ourselves together, that we are to come together and to bring honor and glory unto Him. So, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and all the benefits that we receive through Him. And Heavenly Father, I pray now that You will bless Brother Nathan as he comes, that You will empower him by the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, to teach us the things that we need to hear, that we can be built up in the most holy faith. And this is the way that the saints are to be perfected is through the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ through His church, that we can be perfected as saints or being mature saints. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless him today and that he could bring the message that we need to hear as a church here. Forgive us of our sins. Heavenly Father, I pray for lost sinners that with the word that will go out today, Lord, that you would send it to someone, not in word only, but in power and of the Holy Spirit, and that you would quicken some lost sinner today by your work and power and bring them unto yourself. And Heavenly Father, we'll just thank you and praise you for all that's accomplished. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Nathan, you come.
foundation. You can have the most beautiful, rustic, big, expensive building, yet if the columns, the foundation, the, the support, the base is not firm, what's going to happen? It's going to fall. It's going to fall. It's yeah. going to collapse. And, you know, that's what's happening in our nation today. Right. The basic foundations that have been laid that were based on Christian principles, Christian ideals, are being uh, done away with, and the foundations are collapsing. I think about this. You know, in the, it's the, still the first of the year, so some of you may have, have uh, reset your Bible reading. Maybe you've read in Genesis recently like I have. I just got through well, I'm in numbers now, but, but read in, in Genesis back in the first part of January, and just reminded of just the first three chapters of Genesis. Think about this. Think about what the first three chapters of Genesis say in regards to foundations as opposed to what the world is trying to do. Think about this. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is creation. That's right. Six literal 24-hour days right. creation. That's right. And seven times in Genesis chapter 1, there's some form of a phrase, and he saw that it was good. Good. And he saw that it was good. What about in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28? We get the gender and the sanctity of life. Right. God created man in his own image. image. That's in right. his own image. Mm -hmm. And he created male and, and female. Yeah. Think about that solid foundation. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, we get marriage. Marriage, it was not good for man to be alone. He made a woman. One man, one woman for life. That's no. marriage. No. Yet, what's the root cause of the foundations being destroyed? Well, it happens in Genesis chapter 3. Sin. The conniving serpent who wanted to try to usurp God's throne, who wanted to be God. The conniving serpent, man falls and then we're in sin. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The foundations, the foundations may seem rickety, and if we're not careful, and if we're not rooted and grounded and stayed on the firm foundation, then, we, then chaos can ensue in our own hearts and our own lives. Amen. Well, you know, David, here in this psalm, is likely at a time when he was running away from Saul. You remember David, uh, God used that old shepherd boy to slay that giant, to slay the Philistine Goliath. champion, yeah, Goliath of Gath. Uh -huh. We know it wasn't David's strength, it was God's strength that right. did that. Right. And for a while, Saul really liked David. Uh -huh. But then when the men, the, 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 the ladies, and, and they were dancing in the streets, Saul has slain his thousands. Yeah. But David, his ten thousands, well, it says from that day forward, Saul eyed David. He eyed him jealousy. with jealousy. He wanted him dead. And so from that point forward, pretty much, it was like David was living from cave to cave, running for his life. Well, when the forces of evil seem to be winning the day, as it seems in our day, the, the, the uh, temptation is just to tuck tail and run. It's just to maybe at times we just want to 
escape, maybe bury our head in the sand, maybe just give in, maybe just quit and give up. I'll never do it. You know, I uh, I recall as a child, I was telling Brother JJ this on the way, I recall as a child I was the youngest of, uh, well, the 10th the out of 11 children. And, uh, you know, and if maybe we were playing tag or playing some sort of game and, and, and my older sibling or older friends running after me, I would think I could just go to my bed and crawl, put, put my head under the covers and everything will be okay. You know, if I have a scary dream or something like that, I'll just put the covers over my head and, and everything will be okay. Well, that's not reality. That's not reality. So let's read, let's read Psalm 11. Psalm 11, and there's only seven verses in this psalm, and I've, I've broken it down in, in three sections. The, the first three verses, verses 1, 3, and 3, is just David's statement of trust in the midst of danger. David's statement of trust in the midst of wickedness and danger. And then verses 4 through 6, I've called it David's reminder of the sovereignty of God over the righteous and the wicked. David's uh, reminder of the sovereignty of God over the righteous and the wicked. And then finally, verse 7, it is just an a closing encouragement for the righteous. So let's read Psalm 11. <clears throat> In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may frizzle <laughs> shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous. But the wicked in him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and in horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Praise God for his divinely inspired, inerrant, infallible, living, authoritative word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the truths of your word that you never change, that we can completely trust, put all of our faith and trust in your word that what you say is true. Lord, I pray for the message today. I pray that you would get me out of the way that uh, you would speak through me. You bless me not to add to or take away from your word, but to preach the word. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you add your blessings to it. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, Christians have targets on our back today. That is just the truth. We must know that, and we must be ready for that. If you are committed to God's word, not just a nominal Christian, not just a you know, maybe a Sunday morning or maybe a Christmas and Easter Christian. But if you are really committed to God's word as a Christian today, you have a target on your back. That's you are, right. You are one of the, uh, the, 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 the untouchables. You know, the, 
you know, they have the, the caste system in India, and, you know, Brother Guna, he was of the lowest, you know, born into the lowest caste. It, it's, it's like that for a Christian in America today in some ways. It's becoming that way. Well, David was this way in a sense. Uh, he was actually physically running for his life at times. And, you know, the, the again, as I said earlier, the temptation is to just, <clears throat> let me say it this way, the temptation is to give in to fear instead of have faith. Mm -hmm. The temptation is to be timid instead of trust. That's your right. You know, the temptation is to recant in times of pressure, in times of persecution. I'm reminded of a uh, of a story. You remember the the, the man who started the uh, the Voice of the Martyrs, Richard Wormbrand. He was a a uh, Romanian minister, and he was in prison for at least 14 years, beaten. Uh, he was in, in communist Romania, and um, and he and his wife were at a, a pastor's conference there in Romania one time, and, and one by one, the government, the Romanian government was also there. They were kind of overseeing the conference. And one by one, he saw different Romanian pastors start to recant and say that they would, they would say whatever, whatever the government says to preach, basically they'll preach. Well, Richard Warmbrand's wife keeps kind of elbowing him. You, you got to get up there and say something. You got to get up there and say something. Richard Warmbrand said, you wish to have a dead husband? You know what she said? She said, I'd rather have a dead husband than a coward. Hello. <laughs> and sure enough, he got up there and he said, I will not recant. And he was in prison for at least 14 years. But you know, that, things like that could happen in America today. And this is not a, a scare. I'm not trying to, 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 to scare anyone today. The, the goal of the message is to take refuge in Christ. But the fact of the matter is, the reality is, that could be headed our way. That's right. That has happened in the past, is happening in other parts of the earth. And so again, the the temptation could be, well, just compromise. Just you don't have to, it's not, you don't have to say, you don't have to compromise all the way, but just compromise a little bit. No, we must not. That is walking by sight and not by faith. So it, it appears that David could be, it seems like maybe David, some of his friends are giving him some advice to just, just, just go away, David. Flee as a bird to your mountain. Look at the wicked. They're bending their bow. They're making ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily. The idea of privily means they're kind of lurking in the shadows in, in secret, just waiting to, to get you with that bow and arrow and, and strike you. So just, just, just go away. Go away. Or it could be, and this is this is a lot of times what, what David does in the Psalms is he talks to himself. Mm -hmm. This could be David talking to himself thinking, the foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous do? It seems like we're losing. Evil is winning. What are we going to do? You know what you must do in times like that? You know what you must do in times of fear, in times of sorrow, in times where you don't feel the presence of the Lord with you? You must remind yourself of truth. Mm 
Remind yourself of the character of God, of the firm foundation. And this is what this is what David does. Is he is he is has a statement of trust. He says, "In the Lord put I my trust." That has the idea of fleeing somewhere for refuge. It has the idea of actually going running to a shade tree. Is actually the idea there of trust. I remember my my father telling a story about one of the first times they went to India. And, uh, you know, as a, as a sign of reverence, all the men would take their shoes off, take their sandals off when they walk in to the, to the church building. And so uh, my father, he thought, well, he, he was going to, after church, he was going to walk out into the, to the grass, to the ground, to the sand, and, uh, and visit for a little while, I guess. And he had never experienced heat like Indian heat, heat in India. And he said he just took two or three steps on that hot ground, and he said his feet were burned. He said the men actually had to physically carry him into a sh- under a shade tree where he instantly found relief. That's the idea of trusting, trusting in the Lord, Lord trusting in the Lord. God, fleeing for refuge. You were taking shade under the shadow of the Almighty. I believe right. Ruth is in uh, Ruth. But yet also, he has a statement of trust, but yet there's some fear too. The, the wicked are bending their bow. They're making ready. They're coming after me. The foundations all around us are falling. What are we going to do? All hope is lost, right? Wrong. No. All hope is not lost. And here's what David has to remind himself of. Here's what David, and this is what you and I have to remind ourselves and others of as well. And that is his reminder of the sovereignty of of God. Look at verse 4. What's the answer to if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The, the, the answer is in verse 4. The answer is the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. You, know, you want to know what the answer is? God is on his throne. What, it, what would Habakkuk say in Habakkuk 2.20? But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. What would the psalmist say in Psalm 33, verses 13 through 14? The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men from the places of his habitation. He looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. God sees God knows. What would Isaiah say in Isaiah 66, 1? The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. God's, God's throne is eternal. It's unchanging. It's everlasting. He is in royalty. And even though it does seem like at times the wicked are winning, we must remind ourselves of truth that God is sovereign. His throne is unchanging. His throne is everlasting. He is the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. He is the thrice holy God. That's who we run to for refuge. But you know what? 
not only is he on his throne, he reigns, he rules. It's not that he's up in heaven just reigning and ruling just kind of from a distance and just kind of, well, I'm up here reigning and ruling and Christian, I'll meet you in heaven one day, but until then, you're kind of on your own. No, no, no he's sir. trying. No, with, sir, that's right. Trying the right. What he says, he says, the, um, that's right, his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. You know, in the Bible, a lot of times it uses what's known as anthropomorphic language. It's a big sounding term. It simply means just language that that you and I can understand, assigning human characteristics to God, such as God God has eyes. Well, you know, God is a spirit. He doesn't actually have eyes. It'll say that he, he has wings or his right hand of God. It just denotes his power. Communicate. Communicate. That's right. It's a way to communicate to you and I. And so we see here David is going to use, under divine inspiration, David is going to use eyes and eyelids to describe God. And that's what he says. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. One thing that tells me is God sees everything. He is omnipresent. Everywhere present, nowhere absent. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. First off, if you're trying to run from God, if you're trying to hide from God, learn from Adam and Eve and know that it will not work. It will not work. So if you're coddling some sin here in your back pocket, I'm going to give everything to God, but I'm, I'm coddling. I'm, I just, yeah, I just right. can't get rid of one this, this one sin. It will never work. work. You will be exposed before God. Mm-hmm. You and yeah. I will be exposed before God. But he sees you. He sees you, brother and sister in Christ. This God who who is in his throne, who is in the heavens, who is holy. You remember Isaiah's experience with seeing the thrice holy God there in Isaiah chapter 6. When he sees him high and lifted up. And he says, holy, holy, holy. His train filled the temple. What was Isaiah's response? Woe is me. I I have a dirty mouth. I have a filthy mouth. I have unclean lips. You know, God's holiness. Well, John Gill says this about about this. He says that that this verse here in in, um, verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. He says it's, it's meant to command awe and reverence of God and to inject terror into the wicked. But you know what I fear sometimes in my own life is that I don't see God high and lifted up as I ought to. That I don't see God as as holy as I should. We need to regain reverence for this thrice holy God who is in who is on in, in, in heaven ruling and reigning. So he's high, he's lifted up, but at the same time, he's near. 
You know, if he if he did that, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be just. He would by definition he wouldn't be God if he would just excuse sin. God hates wickedness. Right. God hates wicked people. Yeah. He is angry with the wicked every, every day, day. It says. In Psalm 5, verses 4 through 6, it says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor bloody and deceitful man. You know, in Psalm 73, the psalmist Asaph probably writing uh, when they were in Babylonian captivity. And you know, he he was in a he was in a hard place, Asaph was, when he was writing this psalm. He got to a point it says in Psalm 73 3, it says, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Yeah. It got to a point where he was envious <coughs> wicked because they're prospering. They have an easy life. Everything's going well for them. For us, in captivity and this Babylonian oppression, it's hardship after struggle after hardship. He says about the wicked, they're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. But I came into the house of God. That's right. That's right. You beat me to it, Brother David. You're right. He says, he says um, let me find it here. Before I get there, he says, They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. It means that they're just flourishing. Nothing goes wrong for the wicked, it seems like. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Just, just they're, they're arrogant. They say, How doth God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? He says in verse 13, Have you ever been to this point? He says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. I, I've cleansed my heart in vain. You know, the, it seems like maybe for a time he was kind of regretting, like maybe maybe trying to live a pure life and living the right way. Maybe it's just all for, it's just all vanity. It's fruitless. I'm just suffering. But then, verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Yeah. Don't we need to have our minds reoriented, right? Don't we have, well, that's one reason I love when we meet on the first day of the week, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It is a time of the week that we have to have our minds and our hearts reoriented, our priorities reset. That's what David or, or Asaph had to do when he went the sanctuary of God. Then he, then he was reminded, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't envy this. I don't envy this because listen to the end of the wicked. Yeah. Listen to the end of the wicked. It says, surely thou that set them, talking about the wicked, in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. Hmm. 
but it took him a while to get there. It took him a while to get there. He had to go back to the sanctuary of God, whether that was the physical house of God or sometimes the, the sanctuary of, of prayer, the sanctuary of being in God's word, the sanctuary of being with God's people, maybe being rebuked by a brother or sister in Christ lovingly, say, no, brother, remember truth. Remember truth. Remind yourself of truth. God hates wickedness, and God will punish the wicked. He says in verse 6, back in Psalm 11, verse 6, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. You know, brothers and sisters, hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. It's not just a state of mind. It is a real place, a real physical place, and that is the end. That is the end game of all who hate God and hate his people and have no interest in living for God. Yeah. Where the worm dies not. Where the worm dieth not. Just as God rained down fire and brimstone, that brimstone is probably this burning sulfur, this, this sulfuric acid. I, I can't imagine. He, he, he rained that on Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 because of their wickedness. So too, he will do the same for all who hate him, all those who are not in Christ. And I actually want that to be encouraging to you, Christian, but I also want it to be very humbling and right. sobering. Because what's the truth? We have all sinned. And falling short of the glory of God. My very best, Brother Josh, is a filthy rag. It's a dirty rag before God. I have nothing to offer in and of myself. I have nothing. Nothing in my hands I bring. Top of heavy says. Simply to the cross I cling. So praise God for the destruction of the wicked, but also praise God because, Lord, I know outside of grace, there go I. That's right. That's right. I deserve damnation. Amen. So praise God for grace. And mercy. Amen. So then he closes with verse 7. A closing encouragement. He says, For the righteous... Lord loveth righteousness. Let me just pause here and say, if, if there's nothing else that we get, that you get from the message today, don't miss this. The Lord is righteous. The Lord is righteous. He is righteous. He does what is right. He is just. Deuteronomy 32. He is the God of So he is the, the definition. He is the epitome of, mm -hmm. of righteousness, of justice. But the righteous God loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Think about this. His countenance. We could say his face. His face 
upright. If you're in Christ, God's face sees you. The God who is omnipresent, his eyes run to and fro throughout the earth, he sees you, suffering Christian. He sees you, weak Christian. He beholds you. Yeah, right. Well, there's a problem here because it says his countenance doth behold the upright. And brother and sister, I'm not upright in and of myself. I'm a sinner. And as I already said, I deserve justice for my sins. But you know what? God had a plan for that. Before the foundation of the world. God came to earth in the form of a human being, a virgin born human being, actually a real steps. 
who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Yeah. Sinner, that's good news. That is good news. And if you believe that, if you believe that, that is evidence, that is proof that you belong to him. That is proof, that is evidence that you are upright because God has made you upright. And you know what that means? God's face sees you. His countenance beholds you. Oh, may we turn to faith. May we flee for refuge to that firm foundation. You know, I know there's not a lot of people here, but there could be some here who, well, how do I know who could be asking, how do I know if I'm saved? How do I know if, from before the foundation of the world, that God chose me and gave, gave me to, to Christ who would then redeem me and the Holy Spirit would regenerate me. How do I know if I'm saved? Well, 1 John 5, 1 would say, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of right. him. Love the brother. You want to know how you're saved? How do you know you're saved? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Amen. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? My exhortation is to run to him. Run to the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ. So I'll just, in closing, just give three very short words of application. That is, take your worry, take your fear, to the unchanging, righteous God. Remind yourself of what is true, that the Lord is in His holy temple, that the Lord is on the throne. And then finally, just remember that this same God reveals Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's worthy of your trust. And so let me close by reading these words from the hymn writer George Peake. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in God's excellent word. What more can be said than to you God hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? God says, fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go. And y'all have walked through some deep waters in your life, haven't you? Oh yeah. Job says, man that is born of a woman is up two days in trouble. trouble. But when through the deep waters I call thee to go, God would say, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. 
would, uh, I got some of it cut off, sorry. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to, to refine. refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, Jesus would say, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. Flee to the unchanging God, his firm foundation for refuge. Let's pray again. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that these are not just fairy tales to just comfort us and get us through a hard day. But Lord, I confess, I confess that even this week I have struggled at times with unbelief. Just, is this all really true? I've struggled at times with just being apathetic, just being lackadaisical in my walk with you, Lord. Forgive me for that. And I know, I know I'm not the only one because we all still struggle with our sin nature. God, I pray that you would renew in us a fresh sense of, of trust in you and a, a fresh sense of awe and reverence at who you are. That you, the thrice holy God, you hate wickedness, but yet we are wicked by nature. Yet you sent your Son to redeem us, to make us righteous. And your countenance beholds us, your face sees us. So Lord, God, bless us to flee to you the firm foundation. God, I pray for Mayhew Prona Baptist Church, that you would encourage this church. I pray that you would bless this church to see a time of ingathering. This church would grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ would always be preeminent here, and that there would be a faithful, thriving, Christ-honoring candlestick here till you come back, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Could we, could we sing 259?